Acts 17. Chapter 17, verse 16. <sighs> Acts chapter 17, verse 16. You ready? Now! Say now. Now it's time for that guy. I need to hear some shouts for that guy. That guy. Thank you for sending me your that guys through text message. What? <laughs> okay, I, I, need, I need three, uh, three, three people to guess who those two people are. Okay, so much for the three people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Andrew and Cameron. So good looking, that guys. Come on. That guy. I, okay. Can we? I have a rule. When I'm reading that guys, don't text me that guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be that guy. Seriously, I just got three already. I've gotten three. <laughs> okay. That eats off others' plates. That guy that reaches across the table and takes food from your plate and eats it. I think that was Katie Knuckleby. I think that was, that was hers. That guy that eats off others' plates. That reaches over other people at the dinner table. Don't be that guy that reaches over other people at the dinner table. It's just simple. Hey, can you pass the salt? Can you pass the pepper? Can you pass the liver, please? I want to see if I have of that of that girl. Read. What'd I say, bro? Sending me another one. Gabe, seriously. Why stop sitting? I can't even read my stuff. read that guy that doesn't share his food with his wife <laughs> oh that's funny that's funny I don't care who you are that's funny right there that girl <laughs> I won't get in trouble after this one <laughs> that looks at herself in every reflection she finds. <laughs> oh, man. That was Ray Ray. She Ray Ray. Sent, she sent that one in. All right, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Come on, flip open your Bibles. Flip open your Bibles, Acts 17, 
verse 16. Maybe next week we'll do some more of that, guys. You ready? <laughs> Seriously, I've gotten six text messages. Beers. Don't text me. Here, I'm just going to give my, my, my phone to Andrew. That way people won't text me anymore. I'll read those that guys and that girls after. I, I literally just got six. But you can send more if you want to. But now it's time to hear the word. Come on. Actually, I do need my phone here in a minute, but okay. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked. Say provoked. His spirit was provoked within him when he, when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue. Or that when it says was given over to idols, it can be more literally translated. It was full of idols. The whole city was full of these carved images and these idols made by human hands. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying the Areopagus was um, either a council they represented Athens, or it could have been a, uh, a coliseum or an amphitheater or a stadium that uh, they went to in the Athens to discuss and to talk about uh, new Greek philosophies that they had come up with. And so this was most definitely actually both. It was probably in this big stadium uh, with the council of the city who were the uh, Greek philosophers and representatives of philosophy for that day. So Paul, at this moment, is sitting before and probably most definitely standing before their most prominent philosophers, their smartest dudes in that day, in their era, standing before them in this theater, and he says these things. May we, uh, may we know what this new doctrine is of which we speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. They ask Paul. Verse 21. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Underline that. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Literally, they would do that day and night. When they'd wake up, they'd talk about some new philosophy. When they'd walk through the street places and the marketplace, they would discuss new philosophies. When they'd go to work, they would discuss new philosophies and new gods to worship and new things to form and to make that they would worship. New hobbies, new interests. They were searching and looking and continually talking about these new things. It was very prominent in their day that when somebody new would come to their village or to their place or to their city called Athens, when somebody would come speaking a new thing, their ears would perk up and they'd begin to listen. And they would see if it was good enough or not. So for these people to pull Paul into the Areopagus was very common. Especially because he was speaking of the resurrection from the dead. Verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through I consider, uh, and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. You get the picture? 
There's hundreds, thousands of idols. If you walked into the city, if this was a modern city for us today, and we walked into the city, it was a city that was decorated with lots and lots of art. And every building and every idol that they had formed and created was very specifically and intentionally crafted to look very beautiful and to look very splendorous and awesome and it was supposed to attract the attention of anybody that came so that when they came they would know that the Athens were people who worshipped these gods. And so everywhere you went, everything, they wanted to make everything from the ground to the tallest peaks of each building. They wanted it to be very, 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 very decorated with every form of decoration they could come up with. And so Paul says, I couldn't help it. I, I stumbled into Athens. I couldn't help but see all these idols. And then I stumbled across this one idol called the unknown God, he says. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. This unknown God that you speak of, this unknown God that you've written down, this unknown God that you worship without knowing, it's him that I preach to you. Verse 24 says this, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood, or one man, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him, and darkness is the idea. They would grope for him in darkness and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. Go ahead and do me a favor now. Fast forward, flip over to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. Paul's writing to the church in Colossae. Verse 9. 2, verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. Chapter 2, verse. Chapter 2, verse. Chapter 2, verse. Chapter. Verse. For in him, him being Jesus, dwells all, say all, Oh, come on, say that. Say, oh, oh, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Key verse tonight. And you, say me, and you are complete in him who is the head over all principality and power. Let's pray. Father, today and tonight we thank you. 
for your preeminence, God, that you are above all and over all and in all and through all, and that, God, in you we live and move and have our being, and apart from you there is no life or breath or anything. For, God, you are the source of all living things. And so because of that, God, we with one heart and one mouth, we look to you tonight, we praise, and we glorify you, and, God, we thank you so much that you're alive and you're well and you're in this place. And, God, my prayer tonight is that you would strip away everything that has so easily entangled us and caught us up in snares and taken our focus off of you. God, I pray that you would reveal to us our true desperation. God, reveal to us our true neediness. Show us, God, how desperate we really are. And in that, reveal to us that the truth is that you are all that we need. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here and I thank you for your anointing to bring conviction, correction, encouragement. God, we ask that you'd pour out mightily tonight. We expect great things in your mighty, awesome name, Jesus. Amen. Can I see my phone real quick? I'm really thankful for the iPhone. There's an app on here called Urban Spoon. Anybody heard of Urban Spoon? Urban Spoon is an app. It's an application on, you can get it on iPhone. I think you can get it on other smartphones. Anybody? Yeah, I don't know if you can get it on other smartphones. Okay, sweet. <laughs> but something happens to all of us when we get hungry. And we get hungry with people. We instantly do something. We say something. So where do you want to eat? That's what we say. Where, where do you want to eat? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you something. Tonight we're not talking about Moose's Tooth. <laughs> Kidding. Of course, we always talk about Moose's Tooth. But we ask each other, there'll be four of us sitting there, and all of us are hungry, usually, specifically, probably after a church service. There's this desire in us to go eat, one, because we're hungry, two, because we can eat. And so instantly, all of us begin to ask each other, one another, hey, where, where, where do you want to eat? And sometimes there's like the really bold person it's like, well, of course, we just need to go to Moose's Tooth. But then there's those people who pull out their iPhone or their Android, and they look up Urban Spoon an Urban Spoon is an application that you can use if you're really desperate for food and you don't know where to go, you can just flip this little deal and it'll pick a place for you. So let's do that. So you can literally, if we're on, if we want to eat, where do you guys want to eat? North side, east side, Mountain View. Oh, shoot. All right. All right. So we're going to Mountain View. We're going to Mountain View. All right. Now, now, now where do you want to eat? Do you want to eat Indian food? Hot dogs, Hawaiian, Greek, German, gastropub. That just sounds disgusting. French, Filipino, or others say Filipino, fast food, European, DiGiorno. Come on, anybody. Cuban. 
Hawaiian? I'm hearing a lot of Hawaiian. Anybody else? <laughs> Turkish. All right, I'm looking. Dang, there's a lot on here. Southwest, soup, smoothies, pub, Portuguese, pizza, organic, noodle. I mean, my goodness. Where do I, oh, Hawaiian, okay. Do we want to go really expensive or just kind of expensive? High rollers. We're going broke. And then you just, you just go like that, and it shakes. Come on, say shake. And it just begins to shake and shake and shake. And it tries finding a restaurant. Suck. It says, so sorry, there aren't any more restaurants like that. Okay, where else do you want to eat? Let's go to, let's go to, uh, let's just go to, uh, let's go to Sand Lake. Anybody want to Sand Lake? And let's get, let's get, um, let's get fast food at Sand Lake. <laughs> and let's just, let's just do medium uh, price. And what, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? This place is crazy, man. Is anybody else's Urban Spoon working? Because I'm struck. Is it? Apparently, there's not any restaurants like this. <laughs> it, keeps, it keeps popping up. Really expensive. Okay, I'm looking up downtown Chinese food. Downtown Chinese. Is there any downtown Chinese food? And pops up Chinatown. But if you don't like that one, you just push the button again, and it keeps looking. And it keeps looking. And you can sit on here for hour upon hour upon hour, and Chinatown, Tasty Freeze, Mickey D's, Taco Bell, Burger King. Come on, Simon and Seifert's. He found Moose's Tooth. Glorious. And then, once you pick a place, what are we picking tonight? Okay. Anybody else? Kreiner's Diner. Late night mix. Don't do that. That's just wrong. And once you pick a place, then you got to sit down and order something. Do you, know, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Do you see how hard they have it for us? I mean, first you got to pick out where you're eating, and then you got to decide what you're going to eat. And particularly if we're going to eat at Moose's Tooth, my question for you tonight is, are you the person that gets the same thing every time, or are you the person that feels like you have to try something new every time? Come on, raise you if you're the first, if you're the former. Okay, so you, you get the same thing every time, every time. Can I hear, what is it? What do you get? What do you get? Avalanche? Picante. Anybody? What else? What do you get? Santa's little helper. Half and half. Half avalanche, half Santa's. That's what I get, man. Anybody else? Yeah, but okay. Okay, you're the person that you like to get something new every time. Justin Black, I know that's you, bro. What do you get, bro? What do you... What? Come on. A sandwich. Diablo sticks. Every specialty, you just go all out. Caleb, what do you get, man? Just whatever. It's like, whatever, whatever, 
Whatever, whatever just makes me go, mmm, that's what I want. That's, that's what I want. And that usually every time I go there, I'm stuck on one thing. And you can like whatever you like, and you may not like barbecue on your pizza. But I love the avalanche. I get it cooked. I get it cooked with wheat, and I take onions off if you haven't known. So if you're ever ordering for me, and I'm on my way there, that's just what you get. Avalanche on wheat without onions. Not that I don't like onions. I love onions, but I just don't like onions on my pizza. <laughs> it's just really weird. Leave me alone. So I'm one of those guys that every time I go there, there's no argument. There's not even really a wrestling match. There's not really a discussion. I look at the menu because I feel bad for the people sitting next to me that don't really know what they want. So I look at it just out of sympathy. And if they're getting something and I feel like, well, maybe I should just get something else, usually I just get a sandwich. But that's just how I flow. That's just how I do. I just get the same thing every time. My wife, on the other hand, she gets something different almost every time. And 80% of the time, I exaggerate not. She don't even like it. <laughs> she don't even like it. And so I've just learned a principle in life. This is the principle. If you like it, stick with it. And this is the cool thing. If you eat with other people, you can taste their food. And if it tastes good, you can get it. Just don't reach over and eat off their plate. That's just stupid. Yeah, don't, yeah. You, can, you, you should ask. Be, gen, be generous. Be, be, be courteous. Be kind. Be polite. Be, be nice. And ask. Be, don't be that guy. You know, I think about Moose's Tooth, or I think about any restaurant for that matter. And you know what? I guarantee you, if, if they could choose for us what menu, or if they could choose for us what restaurant we eat at, I guarantee they'd choose themselves, wouldn't they? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if, if you went to Moose and say, hey, where should I eat tonight? They wouldn't say Burger King. If you went to Burger King, if you asked them, hey, where should I eat tonight? They would most definitely say Burger King. Why? Because the very sole purpose that they exist is so that you will go there. So they really want us just to go to them. That's all they want. They don't want anything else. They don't like the idea that somebody else might be liked as much as we like them. Moose's Tooth don't like the idea that Kreiner's Diner is competing with Moose's Tooth. It's not very fond of that idea. As a matter of fact, it gets kind of intimidated when they hear that the number one burger in town is just right down the street. Now that's opinion. That's my favorite burger. If it's not yours, I'll pray for you. It's called Andy's Awesome Burger. You, you, can, you can get it at my house because I have them there all the time. No, I'm just kidding. See, but our God is a God who desperately wants us to only want him. But the problem is, say problem. The problem is we've allowed so many options. And we've flipped their spiritual urban spoon to find a restaurant nearby that will satisfy our temporary need. And all along Moose's Tooth, or Jesus is passionately crying out 
saying, I'm the only one that can satisfy your midnight desire. I'm the only one that can satisfy the need of your heart. I want you to want me. I don't really like it that there's something else competing with me. I don't really like it that you think that there's somewhere else you could go. I don't really like it that when you come to this place of hunger, when you come to this attitude of thirst in your heart, that you consider your options. You hear what I'm saying? I don't really like it that when you realize that you're desperate, that when you realize that you're needy, that when you realize that you're hurt, that you realize that you're lonely, that you realize that you're thirsty, I don't really like it that you consider other options. Because I want to be your sole option and your only option. And I don't want to just be that for no apparent reason. My desire to be that for you is because I've made you in such a way that I am the only one that can give you life, breath, and everything. I want you to want me, not necessarily for me, but for you. I want you to yearn for me, not so that I can get something, but so you can get something. Because I see that you're desperate for me, but you have too many options. This is, this is what I feel the Lord saying tonight. The title of my message is, I don't want to just be another. <laughs> it pops up. He says, he says, he says to us tonight, listen, listen, listen. I'm not just another source. Listen, listen. I'm not just another philosophy. I'm not just another hiding place for you. Or am I? Maybe I am to you, but in and of myself, I'm not just another. I'm not just another superstar that you become a fan of. I'm not just another hiding place that you find safety. I'm not just another emblem you put on your letterman's jacket. I'm not just another item on the menu. I'm not just another restaurant in the phone book. I'm not just another friend on Facebook. I'm not, I'm not just another. But you've made me that way. You've put me in a place as just another. That when you consider your options to satisfy your hunger, I'm one of the options. I'm not saying that you've totally neglected me. I'm not saying that. No, I see that I'm on your option list. But that, I, that, but that there is even an option list makes me jealous. That there is even an option makes me passionate to tear down and destroy every other option that is in your life. And I will relentlessly remind you of those options that you would destroy the idols and the sources in your life that I become your soul provider. And that I become your soul source of life and breath and everything. 
Paul comes to this place in Athens. Athens is right next to Corinth, which is where we find the book Corinthians, just across a little inlet. And in Athens, as we were talking about earlier, there's lots of gods, <clears throat> lots of idols. It says that they were full of idols. This place was packed with options. When you walked into Athens, you didn't really have to look for something to find pleasure in. And they, listen, they didn't only just worship these gods in the sense that they set up their altar, get down on their knees and worship them, but they would actually find out whatever this god represented, they would give their life to. For, for instance, if it was a son, they would find pleasure in seeking tan, getting tan from receiving the source of the sun. If it was the god of rain, they would worship and enjoy rain. If it was a sport, if it, if it was a hobby, whatever it was, from the smallest to the greatest thing, they would not only worship them with their hearts and their mouths, but they'd actually serve them in the sense that they would find pleasure and life in these things. See, when you woke up in the morning, they looked forward to worshiping and praising these things. It was so much that they would day in and day out look for new things. They were so desperate and so hungry internally that they all day long, foreigners or natives of their city, all that they would do was talk about and think about and ponder new things. So much so, they created the unknown God. I mean, you could just imagine them all sitting down and pushing their glasses up that they didn't have back then. <laughs> right? When, when did glasses come out anyway? Shoot, they didn't have them back then. This is my, this is my story. And you could imagine them sitting there and they thought to themselves, well, we've got the Greeks, and we've got foreigners here, and I think we have about every god that we could possibly think of represented. Can you guys think of anything else? We've been doing this for hundreds of years. And one of the dudes thought, well, hey, just in case, if we miss anything, we might as well just create a new one. Just call it the unknown. Yes. I knew you were smart. Because <laughs> if somebody points out another one, we'll say, oh, yeah, we knew that was the unknown. And then behind our back, we'll create that one. And then we'll always have this unknown. So that no matter what, if we still had a void in our heart, we can go to that unknown God and worship it. See, they were so desperate that they covered the whole range of voids and needs in their heart. And nothing, nothing was ever enough. Gabriel, I don't got carbon images in my bedroom. I haven't seen a carbon image in all image. I haven't seen a carbon image in all of Anchorage. 
I mean, there's those totem poles and stuff, but I don't even know what those are. Are those carbon? What? what? You know, you got to put yourself on their feet. And I started doing this. I put myself in their shoes, not their feet. That's weird. I started playing with their feet. It was so much fun. <laughs> I put myself in their shoes. I began to think, why would they do this? It's the same reason why we do what we do. I think the primary reason, they didn't want to miss out on anything. They didn't want to miss out. They knew that their heart longed for something. And so they desperately created everything they could. And they talked about it all the time. And they even created an unknown God because they didn't want to miss out on anything. What's an idol? An idol is birthed out of a heart that says, I don't want to miss out. An idol is birthed out of a heart that says, I don't want to miss out on what life has to offer. An idol is birthed out of a heart that says, I'm just not content. I just need something else. An idol. An idol is something that you look forward to. An idol is something that gets you excited. An idol is something that motivates you. An idol is something that makes you smile. Gabriel, your drawings have been pretty, pretty strong, strong lines. I'm not saying you can't smile at things or laugh at things. I'm not saying that you can't have fun and enjoy life. What I'm saying is, do you look forward to these things? Because your heart is not satisfied? I, I feel like Paul in some ways. Not in the sense that I see myself as some high mighty and I look at everybody else and go, Ugh. but I feel like Paul in the sense that I realize, again, as I've been saying for the past three, four weeks, that we're really desperate. I realize as I spend time with people or myself how desperate we all are. I realize as I look around this room, some of us are more happy than others. Some of us are more excited than others. But at the same time, all of us serve the same God. So that shouldn't be so. So that tells me something. It tells me, not that we all need to walk around with a big smile on our face, and if you're not smiling, you're not getting your life from God. But it tells me that we're really, really desperate, 
and we don't all find our primary soul source in God. It tells me that we're just really desperate. I'm thankful that I'm not alone. And I'm thankful that you're not alone. And if you for one moment think you are alone, the sense that you're not desperate, it just means and shows how full of idols your life really is. And you're unaware of it. See, the Lord showed me this today. If you're not desperate, it's most definitely because you have too many idols. So if you don't feel desperate, it's probably because you have too many things that you find life in. How do you know it's not just the Lord? Because I know the Lord leads us to this place of desperation because he says, in, my, in your weakness, I am made strong. So I must keep you broken and I must keep you desperate because if you're desperate, you'll always want me. And I need you to want me because if you become sufficient in and of yourself, you'll run from me. And I can't have that. So I'm going to keep you desperate. So if you're not desperate, it means that you've got too many sources in your life. And even that isn't enough. There's an unknown God that you worship. You call him Jesus. But the truth is you don't really know him. Because we can't really come to a complete, listen to me, you cannot and I cannot come to a complete revelation of who he is in the sense that I can on earth. I can't come to that place until he becomes my sole source of provision. Our God is a jealous God. Exodus 34, verse 14. God is speaking. In verse 13, I should say, he says, verse 12, take heed of yourself. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is, a, is Jealous, is a jealous God. His name is Jealous. He's jealous. I don't know, what's your idol tonight? What is God jealous of? You know, you know, this word is for every single person in here tonight. And you can either hear it now and humble yourself and respond. Or you can live in this place of confusion. Frustration, Conf- just utter frustration, I guess I would say. Because you have this heart that wants God and yearns for Him. But you can't find Him. You can't find the life that He has for you. Why? 
because you have so many other sources. What is your source tonight? Is it a relationship? <laughs> I talk about this a lot because it's so common. And we, we justify our relationships with people so we feel better about ourselves. We justify it's okay that if I'm really needy to call that girl if I'm a guy. Or to call that guy if I'm a girl. Because I just need something. I know you do. And that person's your idol. If you wake up every day and your joy and your peace and your life relies on another human being, even if it's my wife, or even if my wife sees me as her source, I am to her, her idol. Well, the, you know, this, me and this guy, we're getting married, or me and this girl, we're getting I don't care. I don't really care. Cool. I'd love to be a part of it. But just make sure they're not your source of life, because if they are, your marriage will suck. It'll suck. And I'll say that word again. It'll suck. I don't know. Maybe it's a hobby for you. I don't know. Maybe it's, what, I don't know. I'm asking you. I'm asking, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to sit for five seconds. And I want you to ask yourself, what do you look for every day? What is it that you can't wait for? Maybe it's fantasy. Maybe you don't have enough fantasy in your life, so you read fantasy books. Maybe it's adventure, and so you don't feel like you have achieved enough until you go on a vacation, you go on a trip, or you leave and you travel the world. Is that your source of life? Really? Traveling? Well, God's created me to travel. Sure he has. That's not true. God's created you to know and love him, to love his people. Not to travel. Gabriel, are you saying I can't travel? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm asking you a question. Are you looking forward to traveling? I can't even tell you how many times I hear people say to me, Gosh, can't wait to go on vacation. I just need vacation. Do you? No, you don't need vacation. You need Jesus. See, Check this out. If vacation is your source of life, vacation will never be enough. Because you'll go on vacation and vacation will suck. Because vacation isn't enough. And it doesn't meet your need. You'll come back and you'll think to yourself, I could just go again. I don't know. Maybe it's, gosh, I, I mean, you probably have your thought in your head. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a guy of the same a friend of the same gender. Maybe it's a guy in your life. Or, or if you're a guy, maybe it's a guy. Or if you're a girl, maybe it's a girl. Maybe it's that leader in your life that you just need to hear from, to say something to you, to hear their voice, to affirm you, to praise you. I don't know, maybe it's me. Maybe it's Reed. Maybe it's your mom. Is your mom your source of life? I guarantee most of us in here it is. You saying I shouldn't love my mom? No, love Love your mom. As a matter of fact, you cannot love your mom the way you should until she is not your source of life. See, until Jesus is your source of life, you can't really do any type of ministry. What are you talking about? I, I, I minister all the time. Do you? It may look like ministry. But is anything really happening? Is there any multiplication in your life? If you have not seen fruit or multiplication in your ministry, it's probably because Jesus isn't your source of life. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just verbally processing right now. 
But think about it. If you've not seen an actual impact in your ministry, it's probably because the reason why you're ministering is to get ministry to yourself. The reason why you're giving is because you're so desperate for somebody to give to you. And if that's the reason why you're giving, you're blessing, you're ministering, then you're not ministering at all. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So until you come to a place of giving, 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 I wake up to give. I live my life to give. I go to bed thinking about how I can give. I'm not talking about myself right now. I'm just saying this is how it should be. I come to church to give. I go to work to give. I go to school to give. I am a vessel of the life of God and the grace of God to give to a broken, hurting, and dying world. But see, you can't give if your heart isn't full. So what, what, what's the conclusion? Well, we've got two conclusions. One, we're desperate. So we've created a lot of idols. And two, excuse me, God's jealous. So there's got to be a third thing, our response to that. Colossians 2.10. I was going to go there, but we already read it. For in him, we are complete. Jesus is saying, I don't want to be just another. You, say me. Come on, say me. Me. You are complete in him. Listen to me now, because you've heard this before, but I'm going to teach from a different perspective. So you got to hear me. This does not mean, it's really hot in here, hot dog. It does, us being complete in him does not mean, listen to me now, follow me real quick. Us being complete in him does not mean that God makes us complete. It doesn't mean that God looks at me and make me complete. It means that on earth I am incomplete and I only become complete when my source is in him. One day, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, that we will see him and be like him. So one day, we will be complete in and of ourselves by the grace of God. But on earth, we are incomplete by ourselves and every source we run to, and our completion is in him. So my point is this. Jesus is not just another source. He is the one that completes you. And you will only live incomplete. You will only live still looking and searching for the newest thing until you find Jesus to be the one that satisfies your every need. You following me? This is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We have to and we must if we want to experience completion in him on earth, meaning being satisfied, we must cut off every idol and every altar 
and everything we run to. For until then, until then, you will not live the full life that God has promised you. Until you see Jesus as your sole source of provision, as your only source, as the source of life, as your source of breath, as your source of everything, you will not come to a place where you receive and walk in his abundant life. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you have a lot of killing (laughs) in your soul to do. I'm saying that you as I, Gabriel, I don't see that. Well, keep looking. God, show us our desperation because it's the truth. You and I have a lot of sources we run to, and God's jealous. I've already been down the road of, you know, my boyfriend, you know, being my source and or that guy, whether he's a boyfriend or not, that guy. I've already been down that road, and, and I don't struggle with that. Or you're a guy. You know, I've already been down that road, and, and I don't struggle with that. Yeah. I, I challenge that. If you, if you are continually looking for that boy or that guy, and you have been for the past six months, eight months, year, two years, and you feel like you have to nonstop continually always try to find some guy or some girl to fill a need, it's most definitely your source. And until... You're satisfied in Christ. Listen, two things. That person will be a curse to you, and you'll only be a curse to them. Why? Because you're both going to receive, and that's why relationships don't work in life, because all of us demand something from each other, because all of us are desperate. All of us demand life from each other, but none of us are called to give it to each other in the sense of fulfilling each other. Only God in Christ Jesus can do that. Our God's a jealous God. He's very jealous. I want you to know something tonight. Every person, young and old. I'm right there with you. I feel in a place in my life more desperate than ever. This past week I've been realizing more and more sources of my life. More and more idols that I have worshipped. I haven't gotten down on my knees and sang a song to them. That's not what worship is. It's going to them as your source of life. I ask you a question tonight. I'll ask you again. What do you look forward to every day? God wants to be that. Listen, he wants to be that that you look forward to. When you wake up in the morning... And you need to turn to your phone to call somebody, to text somebody. If you go to school and you can't wait to see somebody, I'm not saying it's wrong to like people. I'm asking you a question. Are they your source? Don't put it off too quickly and too easily. Our God's a jealous God. And he may have already been speaking to you 
about this? He may have already been showing you the idols that you have in your life. He may have asked you, hey, will you give up worship in the sense of playing music for me? Would you give up playing music for me? Would you give up that relationship for me? Would you stop talking to that person if I asked you to? Maybe for you, you haven't been happy for three months. Because three months ago, that special some person stopped being your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And so you've just been unhappy. I don't know. I'm not, I want you to know, I, I'm not thinking of any particular person right now. I'm just listing things off. Anna, would you come up here, please? So, what is our response? <clears throat> yeah, that's the worship team. Thank you. What is our response? Our response is to do what Paul said. He says, truly these things of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. That word repent simply means turn, turn, just turn. You've looked to those things, turn. That word repent means to cut off. Moses, you guys know Moses. Before Moses led the children of Israel from Egypt to the promised land, God took Moses and he first led him to the wilderness for 40 years. Before Jesus began his ministry, Jesus went through the wilderness for 40 days. And when Paul began his ministry, he got saved, and immediately he went to the desert, literally, for three years, all by himself. And the purpose of this is this. You cannot lead God's people to where they are called to go and called to be unless you first have gone through the wilderness or are going through the wilderness and allowed God to cut off every source of life that you find. 